Welcome to the final episode of the Week in Sports Cars of the year in the Lord's 2023 Graham Goodwin. I hope that you have had an amazing Christmas, Kwanzaa, uh, Hanukkah, whatever it is you all might be celebrating uh, in your home. We, You and I are pretending that we're, we've recorded this after December 25th, when in reality, <laughs> it's uh, it's Friday the 22nd at 1214 p.m. in California, which is 814 in the UK. Uh, <clears throat> I did clear my throat beforehand, but I just ever so rudely did that into the microphone. Let me drink some coffee here again. I'm Marshall Pruitt. That's Grim Goodwin. He's the editor of DailySportsCar.com. Please go there. They write good stories. They say things that are smart and educational and don't do any of that with any of the stuff that I do because it's pure nonsense. Nonetheless, we do this weekly thing, which we try to do each week, but we fail sometimes. Called the Weekend Sports Cars, where we take your questions submitted on what Graham X slash Twitter facebook uh discord discord uh reddit uh graham's only fans page i mean it's phenomenal yeah so uh, the twisk bat signal uh, another one uh, so we did about half your questions that came in last week this week and we are recording this in the very last week of the year although it's not yet and then we're gonna get through some of those graham then we're going Absolutely. to talk about the year that was, and we're not going to take yeah. too long because seriously, y'all, you should be doing better things than listening to two knuckleheads. I've got a husky mouths. to give snacks to. Yes. Set me now in seven straight days of feeding Oscar uh, snacks. The 12 days of Christmas. Dogmas. Yes. One of my yes, indeed. favorite um, cartoons. Have we, have we said thank you to our sponsors? We haven't. So we should. Uh, Cooper Tires. This would be the final lap. Greatly, greatly appreciate Cooper Tires, Graham, having been with us. Uh, our first kind of significant, uh, you know, big partner to help ground the show, propel the show, and give us all that firm footing that we need to have gotten here to, I don't even remember what year it's going to be the show next year, year seven or eight or something, but they've been with us since almost the beginning. They are exiting uh, the domains of motor racing that we're involved in here, at least in the U.S. So uh, big thanks to them for all that they have done, along with partner new this year in Discount Tire. They've been affiliated with the IndyCar show that I do each week, not sports car, but nonetheless going to thank you to them as well. Uh, and then obviously to TorontoMotorsports.com, been with us since just about day one and will continue to be with with us forever i hope folks who do get to imsa races graham know that while the torontomotorsports.com merch transporter thing isn't at every round it's at a lot and there's a lot of fun there just good people to go visit and great stuff on offer and then finally the justice brothers makers of I think delectable was that the word I used last year. Delectable is a good word. Yes. Automotive chemicals and lubricants. So huge thanks to all them and to y'all for the questions you send in and the support and the growth that you've helped, uh, this show continue to receive. So we're in a kind of happy, fuzzy end of year oh, yeah. mode, Graham Goodwin. Uh, we are indeed. And, uh, we, I know the, uh, last week's show, 
you're talking about some rather special um, charitable goods mm. that you were. Uh, and I, I, I have heard that that's going pretty well. Yeah, yeah. With 12 prints, you helped uh, and others helped as well to get those signed by every driver who took part in the inaugural debut hybrid IMSA GTP race January at the Rolex 24th Daytona. So, yeah, indeed, have a large 18-inch by 24-inch print using our GTP show tune done by our guy, Roger Warwick, signed by all the drivers. So, yeah, sold seven of those, so we've got five left. Uh, Who knows, by the time you're listening, they might all be gone, but that's been going really well, and half of the proceeds on those going to support homeless military veterans, which is a cause that's very important to my wife and I. And also, uh, (laughs) I am legitimately embarrassed about this, but that's okay. I'm a bit of a walking embarrassment, as you tell me. Uh, It has taken until just about one week to go in the end of the year for me to finally get our Twisk Show Tune stickers up and available for folks. So both the hybrid GTP one done by our guy, Roger Warwick, and also the Weckety Weck version. So both of those are up on the good old MarshallPruittPodcast.com website on the merch page. So if anybody wants some of those tunes, since you see them pretty much associated with every podcast, they are there and available. And yeah, Graham, anybody who wants to order those and maybe add in a couple other things to their, uh, their cart, well, you know what we have as a thank you? We have some additional... 2023 mm-hmm. IMSA and or WEC stickers with sparkly glitter framing and edging around them. And I love those the most. We also have holographic versions of those as just Ooh. kind of th- add-ins as thank you. So uh, there you go. I, I should shut up uh, because, you know, you just you keep texting me right now saying shut up. So I'm just going <laughs> to acknowledge. I mean, not only by text, but also on Skype. Uh, Discord and I'm sending I people around now. I just saw a tweet that said Pruitt, shut up. So okay, I'm, I'm yeah. taking the hint. Right. So what we're going to do this one uh, as our end of year special is it's going to be uh, some of the kind of the the issues of the day uh, for the first half of this show. But after that, we're going to go pivot to a bundle of questions we asked for and we got because uh, unlike very many podcasts, when we ask for questions, we get them. Um, we should stop and, doing that, by the way. Like, we, I mean, we're just inviting trouble. I mean, honestly, every single time. Every single time. Uh, so we've got questions uh, looking back and looking forwards. So we'll be spending the, the, the latter part of this show wrapping up the year and looking forward to 2024, which looks like it could be all sorts of awesome. But we're going to kick it off, MB. Um, with some questions about the Hypercar and GTP class, because why wouldn't you? What? And the first one. First one comes from Josh Johnson. Uh, Joshua Johnson says, it's Joshua's understanding that LMDH cars need to be tested and homologated by IMSA. He says that Alpine, with the fabulous-looking A424, was not at the recent test at Daytona. So what are they planning, or what do they need to do? Interesting thing here, in it, because the whole reason that Lamborghini showed up to that December 6th through 8th Daytona strictly BOP test was to have their car benchmarked. Mm-hmm. Other, the off-track testing as well is also something that IMSA 
is very strict about doing as well. Engines sent to the NASCAR Performance Center and wind tunnel time, I believe done at wind shear. Um, it's a it's a curious process, I think, Graham, but I want you to tell me if I'm wrong yet again. Uh, I get the, we're going to send over an LMH. We don't have yes. those in IMSA. They're allowed, but we don't have any of those. We do have the LMDH slash GTP cars, which mm-hmm. go through fairly rigorous uh, benchmarking and bopping and uh, bio penising and such in Europe. Is there a real reason that they need to go through that same exact process here, knowing that, again, these are homologated vehicles? I realize that BOP decisions made by IMSA at the Rolex 24 could be different than, say, what would be applied by WEC at name whatever track. But I I get if we were sending a vehicle of a different formula. I do wonder, though, do we got to do all that? The off-track stuff, the off-track benchmarking with a Lamborghini or an Alpine or whatever. Or should it just be enough for such a thing to show up and do the on-track part? Uh, our friends at the FIA slash WEC sharing that info with IMSA, what do you think? Yeah, I think the answer the answer is is that wind tunnels are different. And uh, the wind tunnel used by the WEC is somewhat different from wind tunnel used by IMSA, and they do produce different values. That's the issue here. So I think the answer to Joshua is that um, no, as a LMDH car per se, you don't need to have the IMSA homologation unless you're going to compete in IMSA. Um, and at the moment, Alpine are not going to do that, not for 2024 at least, or at least this part of 2024. So the answer is that they will have gone through the WEC homologation, as will all of the uh, LMDH cars that uh, took part in the WEC last year and the ones that will be added this year. So, in other words, the Lamborghini, the BMW, and the Alpine. Plus, of course, the Asata Fraschini is another new car coming. So, Merry Christmas the, the, the Franchitti brothers, by the way. Indeed, yes. Um, so, the answer here is two separate parallel uh, homologation processes. No doubt whatsoever that that data is shared between the two sanctioning bodies, uh, but no, they are done separately. That That's the answer. So the absence of the Alpine uh, does not mean it won't be able to, to um, compete in the WEC because it will have been homologated um, uh, with the FIWC side of things. But if they wish to go and race Stateside, they will need to be homologated for IMSA competition. That, yeah. That's the simple answer. My favorite question of the episode, possibly, although I haven't read all Ooh. of them in advance, is courtesy of our pal, Damien Peachman. Okay. Graham Goodwin, does Alpine have a reverse driver <laughs> named in case Mick Schumacher <laughs> is required for Mercedes Formula One duty? And I got to admit, when I think of drivers who get signed based on their various skills, those who might be faster than the rest while going backwards, it never occurred to me that might be a criteria for 
hiring? Uh, Is this your highly acid way of pointing out a very minor typographic error by David Page? It's not acid in any way. I love this question. I never (laughs) thought it. And I do realize he meant to say reserve. But nonetheless, I love the idea of like, who are we going to hire that could go faster if he had to go backwards than everybody else? Like, this is, this, is, this, this is a great moment to bring in that concept of naming drivers who've got first and second names. They're both first names. Sure. Like, you, know. um, you lost me there. But so how would you judge yeah. how, like, if we were to look at a driver, you can tell yes. by some drivers, you look at them, you look at their eye, their demeanor, you go, oh, boy, that person looks like they're really fast. Um, what would be the criteria we would use while gazing at a driver to determine if they were quick going backwards would it be like a longer neck that they could kind of crane and, and view you know look through orifices is that not apertures <laughs> i think yeah not orifices we'll go with apertures. No. but what what what's the criteria like you spot someone and go i bet you are a rocket in reverse big googly eyes i think is the answer Ooh, mike headland really big then. googly eyes you know, eyes like a bush baby you know, it's it's that that kind of thing. So it's that kind of ice. You know, the Oliver Gavin look, fr- freakish. Is, is what I'm saying here. Oh, I just thought you meant confused. Uh, a life spent <laughs> wandering around looking like he's lost his keys. Uh, I thought that's that's what we were. I don't know why I just said that, but you presented I'm me so an opportunity dead. to throw Ollie under the bus <laughs> for no reason whatsoever, um, and I took it. You should come on. Don't so, so the answer, by the way, the answer to the question that he should have asked here is. Yes, they will have a reserve driver because Mick Schumacher's contract is very specific. And it does say that uh, his Formula One duties will take precedence if he's called up by Mercedes F1. He is the reserve driver for the Mercedes Formula One team. And when I asked that very specific question of the team principal, uh, Bruno Fama, I was given a, how can I put this, a very Bruno answer, which was, Yes, of course, we'll have a reserve driver. It will come from within the Alpine's family. So um, the answer there is, yes, they will. No, he's not told us who it is yet. Is this actually just a really high-level 3D chess type of question we got from Damien mentioning reverse driver and Mick Schumacher, knowing that Nick DeVries is also now uh, in WEC? Is he referring to F1 drivers sliding backwards in their career i think the ah see yeah damien i'm telling you you got a phd in smart yes and we'd love you man hey uh bill ramin says graham do you think with cadillac deciding against a second weckety wet car due to cost Mm -hmm. considerations any plunge into f1 with michael andretti may make that existing single car expendable well, I, I've asked the question about F1 versus uh, WEC. I am assured that the two budgets are completely entirely separate. Um, let's wait and see. Is that, let's hashtag wait and see on this one. Uh, I, I, I believe we're going to see a push, if not uh, from a number of teams, they're certainly interested in running Cadillacs as customer cars. Might that be something we see coming to play for the WEC in the future? It could be. Uh, certainly, let's put it this way. If you've got just a single car committed to the FI World Endurance Championship 
and you've got a customer base that might potentially come and replace that, then maybe you've got a little less to worry about uh, as to whether or not a Formula One uh, program, engine program in this case, uh, might come in and make life a little bit more difficult. But um, disappointing that they're sticking with the single cast, the WC, that uh, Cadillac is an awesome looking and sounding thing. And frankly, by the way, it's been probably the most convincing in year one uh, in, in hypercar of the LMBH spec cars. Uh, but um, do I think per se F1 will be a, a risk to it? No. Do I think the vseries.r program is one that has got perhaps a shorter than some formal commitment for WC? Yeah, I think it probably has, but I'm not that worried by that. You know, the, the big question here is what exactly did Richard Westbrook do to place the entire Cadillac program in jeopardy? Uh, because you and I know yeah. it's his fault. Uh, it's, it's always his fault. Yeah. The sounds you've been hearing, by the way. Are you, are you wrapping, are you wrapping the cats again? No, I was, I was going to, um, I just decided I haven't had anything to drink, by the way, this is just the state of mind I'm in. Um, I decided mid answer to your, while you were speaking to grab the lint roller that I have by the desk here, uh, peel the kind of icky ready to throw away, uh, sheet and use the lint roller on my sure SM seven B microphone in the windscreen slash mic screen, the foam screen here, because I figure a, we're getting to the end of the year. These are the kind of yes. things you should be doing in the office. And B, I was just looking down while you were speaking and said, you know, for all the times our cat Rocky has jumped up and decided to show me his backside, the, uh, yeah. the, the business end of a cat. He loves to yes. do that and rub against the microphone here and just kind of show me who's boss. And I just got tired of staring at that little, you know, what's uh, fur all over the microphone. So I just cleaned that off uh, mid answer, which is very rude. But that is a liberty I'm taking. So just just put a sign on there, no buts. That's the that's hey, what you do. Ifs or ands. Uh, Clement Rosin asks, does Proton still have an active plan to field two cars apiece in IMSA and Weckety Weck Graham? Or has the slowing down of Porsche's nine six three production pace slashed those ambitions? Uh, I think the answer is there is a plan. Uh, how active that plan is remains to be seen. I think it is fair to say in my conversations on their allegiance with uh, with Christian Reed, um, the realities of the budgets that are surrounding uh, the uh, hypercar programs have proved to be somewhat taxing. I think it's almost a relief that they can just step away from that commitment. The, the answer is, I think we may eventually see them with two, quite when that will be, whether or not uh, there will be to very quickly, I think, is open to question. He has ordered and, I believe, uh, put the deposits down on the third and fourth cars. Um, I, I suspect we may see a second car uh, in some races of the WEC. I think it's less likely that we'll see that at IMSA in the immediate future. I think that's as, that's as far as it goes right now. Um, but it, it's certainly true to say that uh, the um, 
supply chain has caused difficulties all the way through. And in particular, Porsche seemed to be struggling with that side of things, not just with the 963, but also with their GT cars. Uh, so that would be be interesting to find out just exactly why. How often have you heard the phrase supply chain spoken, Graham, in recent months? And I ask in all seriousness because until I just heard you say it, I'd failed to realize that it had gone from being a seemingly weekly thing mentioned if I was yep. discussing whichever from a with a person from a motor racing sanctioning body and this isn't limited to sports cars but whether it's a series a team etc like that was i mean if there was a phrase spoken more than any other in motor racing since oh, beginning of the year the oh my god 20 yes. um yeah. that's it i will admit i have not heard it much in recent months it, but it sounds I like think, you have uh, yeah, the answer is yes um Porsche certainly have been struggling with it. Uh, Cadillac 2, you may recall that when we had the uh, almighty shunt from Rangel van der Zander at Spa uh, with a brand new chassis, that caused some issues in terms of the preparations for Le Mans for uh, the factory Cadillac effort. One of the other areas, oddly enough, has been LMP2, uh, both in terms of chassis supply, but also major component supply. And I, I, I'm not going to... Um, say out loud the the timeline for this principally because i can't remember but i can tell you that i've been told by more than one large lmp2 team uh that the lead-in time for for instance a new gearbox is pretty terrifyingly long it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks um so you've basically got to run with what you've got refurbish what you've got or um put your money down months before you actually need those items. Uh, so that is an area where the aftermath of the pandemic has still got ripples without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I, I, I will observe this. When I think at the moment about the phrase supply chain, the area it's coming from most often has tended to be Porsche. It's a straight answer. Mm. Now that's at least in part because they're building and selling more race cars than any other major manufacturer. It's as simple as that. Um, but um, we, we, it, it does come back pretty much time and again. Uh, it's, I guess, a mark of the fact that they've got quite a complex product line. They're making literally thousands of cup cars, GT4 cars, GT3 cars. Obviously, they were supporting the GTE program until the end of uh, the uh, this year. Um, of this this season rather and of course with the 963 and what has been to this point a growing customer base we've seen jdc miller have had their second chassis delivered that's principally going to be used as bears at the moment uh, we know that uh, the hertzstein jota squad have got their second car we know that um proton have got two cars one for each at the moment but we're expecting a third and a fourth car and i think are awaiting the dates of delivery for those chassis as well so they're ramping it all up, um, as are the likes of Cadillac with the, the new European base coming on stream and, you know, uh, the, the same with uh, with BMW and their WEC uh, aspirations as well. But it's not that easy at the moment to get your hands on either brand new race cars or 
the major components that that uh, mean that those cars are raceable and serviceable. So yes, supply chain is still you know a pretty substantial issue. It's just I think that the extraordinary people in our sports are getting their heads around recasting their timelines to accommodate the realities that we've all got. There we go. You and those adult answers that are fully measured <laughs> and whatnot. Um, hey, I do know that before too long, we want to kind of talk about the year as it was. Yep. How many more of these good old questiones? And from Let's you, go for a quick rapid run through. Hey, here's one we haven't gotten these. to use for a while. Hegenekal! That's a category. I haven't had a chance to mention that for a while. Why don't I throw this one out? Hegenekal! Wow! Yes, you are. You are. Wow! Hegenekal! Let's put some of those. Our pal, Stathis Kokorogiannis, who we greatly appreciate and who has powered this show for many years with questions Mm -hmm. aplenty, says, Hi, Rose. Our cat, Rose, wants something. Uh, By the way, you know how I mentioned Rocky likes to... no joke within 90 seconds of me mentioning that he jumped up put his ass right in front of my face and walked across the microphone yep thanks buddy uh stathis says would a revision in the point system be a good idea for wackety wack says having so many oems in hypercar especially leaves many cars without points in each round award 25 for the winner and go down to i don't know p15 for maybe one point uh Please not the IMSA one, though. I, where do you fall on this, brother? Because I'm definitely of the, just because you showed up to compete in something doesn't mean you should get something for trying to compete. The whole idea here is uh, we give you a set amount of time to go and do things that are yep. uh, reward and merit and point worthy. And if you did that, and you achieve that at a high level, then you get those things. The fact that you showed up and farted around for six or eight hours and just simply did that in and of itself, I don't know if I would say that deserves points, but I might be wrong. Uh, the, I think the answer is I think we stick with what we got and see if that works out. I think if you don't don't fix it, uh, it's a good way to go. And I have to tell you, I'm um, uh, if you want to put the... WC point system side by side against uh, the IMSA point system. I'll go with the WC system anytime. Thank you. Um, I think you know it's it's a, a pretty much a global formula. People understand it. It is again in the same way as we've talked about BOP in the past. It is part of the rule set that people have signed up for. And let's see how this pans out with this even deeper field uh, coming this season. Uh, so I think for me right now, it's fine. Let's wait and see again uh, to see whether or not that becomes an issue for anybody uh, in the field. I guess, you know, if you're there in a close knit field and you are seconds back for the win and getting nothing week in, week out, that could become irksome and troublesome. Uh, I think let's wait and see whether or not that is going to be the reality before we start getting too concerned about whether or not a year one team uh, expects to be on the podium every third weekend. I suspect they probably don't. Uh, I think, you know, everything I've been hearing and talking to people about, they understand in year two, they should be closing that gap. 
in year one, it's about learning about the package, learning to operate as a team, learning to not, not to mess up, uh, and going for gold if they possibly can, either as the opportunity arises or in year two and beyond. But I think we leave it as it is. I'm perfectly happy with where we are. Um, next one is from the, the par, it's the par, not the pin, is Mighty and the Sword at Put Dorian Down. That is the pin being Dorian pin. Um, and they say, what's the greatest number of cards you think could possibly be accommodated in the WC, assuming interest remains high for, say, five years? It's sort of the wrong question, MP, because feasibly you could accommodate a lot more cars than we currently do. The problem is the fact that as part of the WEC, you also get an automatic entry to Le Mans, and it's not that much further north of the current level where you start to get into problems uh, in accommodating the other teams and classes that you would want to join the WEC uh, grid at the 24 hours of Le Mans. And that, for me, is the bigger restricting factor. What I think is a kind of realistic uh, level that we might get to, low 40s, I think could be doable. It does mean that you're, you're likely having to recast, again, some of the uh, the automatic entry aspects of things. Um, I don't think the ACO will want to completely dispense with the need to, or the wish to, have a selection committee of sorts, even if it's just a tiny handful of cars being selected. Uh, outside of competition. But that, for me, is the biggest restricting factor. Could we get to a stage where you could fill a grid with 50 cars? Yeah, I think we probably could. Will we? No. Uh, and for that reason, it's all about Le Mans. What you got next? Well, we got a couple things, and one that might actually <clears throat> prompt us into our flapping gums about the end of the, or about the season behind us. Mm. Two come to mind here. I might... <clears throat> might answer the first and at least half of the second. The first is from our pal, Jerry Suddeth, who puts together the okay. questions for me each week for the week in any car show that I do. And okay. Had a Excellent. Great, well, Jerry. Yeah. had a great time in September with Jerry at the indie battle on the bricks where he got to meet Bill Oberlin and eat tacos with the team before they went out Ooh. to race. And he is an avowed fan of Turner Motorsport and, Bill Oberlin, he says, hey, I saw the Rolex 24 entry list and didn't see Oberlin listed for the Turner car. Does he figure mm -hmm. into Turner's WeatherTech plans for 24? And if not, will it be running elsewhere? Um, I don't know. I'd need to reach you out need and either. ask. Yeah. It was a surprise to me, I have to tell you. Yeah. I mean, Bill, is, Bill is now, I think I'm right, 125 years old. Well... His record of success would lead you to believe he is that old because he has so many victories and so much success in his career. Staggering. Yes. Staggering. Uh, don't know, Jerry. Need to ask and <sighs> uncomfortable, right? Um, you. It happens for every driver at some point in time mm. where you've done amazing things, you're a legend, you're a Hall of Famer, you're all kinds of stuff. Do you continue to maintain that place within your sport where manufacturer, privateers, whatever, still want to hire you at that level? Or do folks, there's always that point 
where folks go, "Ah, Hey, love you full time. What do you think about the endurance races only? And then it's the, Hey, what about the fourth, fifth, however many driver for the Rolex 24. And then, yeah, I don't know if that's where we're at Jerry with, with bill. I'd hope not, but I do need to find out. So stay tuned there. Why don't I serve this up, Graham, if you're in agreement as the last question, Uh, our pal, Stuart Hart, um, you know, I feel like I at least owe Stuart an apology. He sends in a lot of questions and I don't feel like we ever do his effort and spirit justice. Um, I'm just being honest. Like every episode, every Q and a episode, it has at least one from Stuart. And, um, I just think I need to do a better job making sure that we answer more of them. Cause if you take that, as as long as you're not blaming me, because that would be completely unfair. Oh no, it's totally (laughs) you, but I'm intervening on Stuart's behalf. You rat bastard. Um, Stuart says, have the weckety weck broadcast team had any discussions about Mm -hmm. the qualifying format for 2024? Say, without Mm -hmm. wishing to overwork the team, I would like to think qualifying can be developed into a lengthier must-watch event. Goes on to support this position by saying, it's the entertainment business and not everyone, Graham, can watch a six-plus-hour race, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Okay. I'll just put this out as an idea. Yes. For... The 24 hours of Daytona, Rocky jumping in front of me again, uh, for the 24 hours of Le Mans, uh, totally get it. Um, it does because those are the two big giant events, uh, for each respective championship. I get trying to make that a big deal because the entire event's a big deal. Making the rest of the races a big deal in qualifying, at least for my pea brain. Graham, there's a little bit of a disagreement because I, I get, going I, hardcore I for ways. pole in an endurance race is yeah. about the most meaningless thing ever. So to me, at least elevating it to big extra theatrics, I don't I, know. I think what I, to me. I think what Stuart's saying is that what he wants is a kind of longer show. <clears throat> and in that, I don't disagree. We don't disagree. So FP3, which we now uh, run live and free on YouTube with the full broadcast team with myself, with Martin Haven, with and Davidson and Luke Beckett um, and with the odd studio guest here and there. Uh, that came about, I'll be absolutely honest with you, because we asked them to do it and we asked them to do it for quite a long time. And thank you to everybody listening and watching, by the way, because the fact that you listened and watched does catch attention that very first time we did it which was sebring i seem to recall we got a quarter of a million viewers for that show for fp3 effectively a talk show with pictures of race cars going round and round in a free practice session Uh, so what are we doing now the answer is we're keeping up the pressure um do i think we can and should do more the answer is yes, I do. Um, that is, we are restricted in terms of what we can do with uh, live pictures from trackside by two things. One is that is an expensive process, and two is it depends on what action there is trackside. But there is a little bit of watch this space. I've not got an immediate, uh, any immediate answers for you. I can tell you that there are 
a number of individuals involved in a push to do more. I am one of them. Um, and we have some ideas that we are putting in front of our friends and colleagues, both in TV production and at LMEM, to see what we can do to uh, offer more to people that want to follow the action throughout the racing weekend. What I can tell you as well, by the way, uh, and this gives you a clue as to when it is that we're actually recording this, is um, our friends and colleagues in the, who do the, the editing side of things and look after the WC Full Access program in exactly the same way as you've got the IMSA Win the Weekend uh, program. There is a pre-Christmas special, an end-of-year special for that, which um, I've already watched. I think it's excellent. It's about 40 minutes long. And that is the best bits from Full Access, uh, but also with an additional twist, the best bits, um, with some of the, the personalities involved in those best bits, watching their best bits and giving some of their reminiscences of what's been a pretty spectacular season. Big step forward this year in terms of um, the, 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 the crews from social media and broadcast trying to do new and better things. Feedback. Please do keep feeding back. And thank you, Stuart, for the question. Uh, feedback uh, and be kind and be considerate with it, but feedback through social media. If you've watched something, if you've listened to something, go back and say that you've liked it or not and be constructive about it because that's the way you get people engaged with bringing more content. You know, And again, I'm going to say once more here, uh, it's not just the, the big broadcast budget stuff like Win the Weekend, which MP's been involved with and Full Access that I've been involved with, but also the projects that you were doing at the end of the season, MP. I keep having people tell me, you know, they want to see more of, which are these explainer videos and the kind of the, the weekend video content that people love to digest through those weekends. So hopefully we get more and more and more of those as things go forward, as the, the audience continues to grow for international sports car racing. And we're going to switch now, aren't we, though, to looking back at 2023 and looking forward to 2024. But just before we do, there's one other question. I just, just spot that. There you go. Adam Joseph asks, what was the straw that broke the camel's back that caused Van Wall to not get a spot on the grid? Plenty of reasons, he says, but it was still sort of a surprise to hear it was rejected, um, not them deciding to be done. I'm not remotely surprised. It's a straight answer, Adam. There was a long, 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 long list of reasons why. Uh, number one is it is a car that is so far out of the performance window that it was going to be uh, embarrassing. It would be particularly embarrassing. Bear in mind that in 2024, the car would not have LMP2 cars to race, which is broadly speaking the kind of pace we're dealing with. LMP so 1.9. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Fit. Whether or not it was the ongoing trademark issues, still ongoing trademark issues to do with the Van Wall name, whether or not it was the general pace of the car, whether or not it was the nonsense being peddled about why the car was at that pace, whether or not it was the very public um, revolving door of drivers, whether or not it was the general tone of communication, uh, all of the above, whether or not it was the nonsense being peddled about we are going to sell these road cars with the very worst Photoshop I've ever seen from anybody telling the world that they are a car manufacturer whether or not is any of those i think the reality is 
this is a world championship. It needs to have some standards. And very unfortunately, in this instance, Mr. Collis and co did not meet, I don't think, any of those standards. Um, that's all, folks. Let's move on with the better part of 20 hypercars into 2024. Looking back, though, beyond that, at 2023, um, I'm going to chuck one at you. Uh, Joseph97 says... What was your most pleasant surprise of the year in 2023, MP? Uh, Joseph says for him, it would be between uh, AO Racing with the Rexy uh, livery and all of that going on, the, the Ferrari 499P success, um, or indeed Le Mans, which he says didn't think would live up to the hype, but it did. What say you, Marshall Pruitt? Couple. Yep. I was involved in this at the very end, so it's awesomeness. 0.0% to do with me. Uh, but having been there at Le Mans, part of the garage or yeah, within the garage 56 family, mm-hmm. I didn't go to the event with skepticism. I just didn't know how it would land or register. Uh, was this going to be seen as a weird dinosaur? Was this going to be seen in a corporate type entry an agenda type entry hey <clears throat> imps is owned by nascar imps is in partnership with aco and WEC and whatever and nascar is saying they want to do something so kind of having to bend the knee at circuit de la sarth to accommodate that is it going to be received in any kind of negative ways or ways that it really doesn't fit shouldn't be here and holy cow <laughs> got there and this thing was loved from the moment i saw it sitting uh waiting to roll into scrutineering uh folks following its every move and that to me was awesome because th- it absolutely fits uh the question here pleasant surprise i didn't know what to expect yep. i don't know if you beforehand thought hey this is going to be really popular or really just kind of waited to see how it was responded to before uh forming an opinion but i was alarmed at how well it was received and to me graham for in the right way not as kind of a cartoonish like oh okay that's a little wacky but more like hey that thing looks cool and it sounds amazing and the driver lineup that's pretty dang cool too and they're doing real old school non-pneumatic ram uh air jack type pit stops but actual nascar pit stops using a a, a jack and crew that run around in a nascar pit like just all the little touches were like oh man and they won the freaking pit stop competition too yeah yeah i mean I, I think yeah, all of the above, all of the above, and I think everybody involved in that effort deserves congratulations. Everybody involved in the team, from Hendrix Motorsport, from John Doonan, from the uh, awesome guys and girls from Hendrix and their response to what was, they, they must have felt like they were landing on an alien planet, but yet everybody endorsed the effort and applauded the effort. And they got it so quickly. Beyond that, the drivers, fault-free, that car on track. Um, 
something happened with that effort during race week that I never, I've never seen happen before, which was the rule makers at Le Mans got it instantly and <clears throat> allowed that car to run freer than they otherwise would have let it run, to let it run more quickly because they saw instantly the level of professionalism that was involved in that, uh, in that effort. And Absolutely awesome on every single level. And we've got two reasons to be thankful for that, MP. Reason number one is that if you were there and saw it, we were there and we saw it, and you were there and we were involved in it. Um, if you weren't there and you've, you like the idea of that kind of program, that, I think, has been a massive trailblazer for what could be a number of other future opportunities for other parts of motorsport to come and make a, make a proposal to do something similar. And I think we will see it. I th you know, I've heard of two or three areas of the sports that you know might be interested at some point in the future in talking to the ACO to find out whether or not a, a not dissimilar idea might come to fruition, and I think that would be absolutely magnificent. Let me this, let me throw one more thing onto this, Graham, because I think this might actually be the key aspect to it all for why it resonated so heavily with me, and I think so many others. You and I have been to Le Mans where yep. folks we know some who are friends have been a part of high profile programs kind of lamar specific and it is a marketing exercise unlike any other and the cars turn out to be total shit boxes and <laughs> failures right we've seen this before where oh, yeah. you go oh my gosh look at the size of the hospitality thing that must cost a trillion dollars and there's branding and this and, and it's just blanketed with marketing and bright the cars themselves total failures what i think made this so special there was no significant marketing effort surrounding this there was i think a single little pop-up store uh, in the upper paddock area where you could buy some stuff, but not much. Um, mm -hmm. There were hero cards if you could get down into the paddock, right? But this was not blanketed everywhere. This was, hey, 75th anniversary of NASCAR, 50th years or however many years it was since we were here last, tried this. Let's go do this can only do this you know this way once but let's just go and really put a crazy amount of effort into the quality and purity of this car and the program and i think because it came in that way graham instead of folks being hammered over the head for months or a year beforehand about whatever related to the nascar garage 56 i think the fact that it was more of a it turned up blew people away it looked great yep. sounded great whatever but there was a true competition approach and dedication first and foremost marketing not really a part of what you could see no, or feel from it that i think is what made folks co-sign that and go that's awesome that's authentic and so i just i mentioned this to pivot to the yep. future to those you've mentioned you're aware of who are considering doing such things if you can take that approach because we've, we've yes. seen folks go wild on the marketing and not the vehicular excellence 
and do a face plant. So the final thing to say on this one before I move on is if you do feel like thanking anybody for that effort, then you should. There are two people you particularly should thank. And those two people are Jim France for having the idea in the first place and Pierre Fion for saying yes. It's no more complicated than that. Once those two guys are on board, everything else falls into place. And everybody did it with excellence. And there was not one single bad thing about that that's idea and its execution. Not one single bad thing about it. And I didn't hear one single cynical moment at all once that car had uh, turned up and everybody could see just exactly the way this has been done. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Let I mean, me it throw, was a big throw one more in here of pleasant surprise and then hand that back to you. So we certainly celebrated Ben Keating a whole heck of a bunch this past year right with vast success obviously at Le Mans mm-hmm. elsewhere Corvette factory uh, racing like mad and great crazy stuff that he achieves in LMP2 uh got in on some uh top tier stuff right at Daytona as well mm-hmm. Ben had a truly amazing year and we are accustomed to Ben doing things that cause all of us to go there's no no limit for this guy what I loved on that theme is one of his frequent protagonists, teammate on occasion, who I would say in 2023, I look at and I'm having the same Keating-esque vibe. That being George Kurtz, uh, for yep. all that he achieved at Le Mans, in IMSA, in all over you name it. This guy raced in a lot of places, has for a while now, uh, like Ben, has the financial means to do that. He's yep. never been spoken of, though, for being honest, as possessing that elite gentleman, gentlewoman level of talent as, say, a Keating or someone else who we place in that. Stephen Thomas is another one who comes to mind. You know, there's some mm-hmm. others where you go, well, wow, this person's really quick and they're not a pro. George has never, to my knowledge, really been spoken of in those terms. And I look back at 23 and say, you know what? I love what he achieved. I think for the first time he is in that conversation of someone who we really need to respect for all the growth they have made, the additional speed they have found and demonstrated, and the resulting success that has come with yep. that. So, completely uh, agree. Car, and by I the way, won a race in Sepang against yep. really good opposition. Absolutely. Really good opposition. So, Car, I'd say pleasant surprise, obviously, that NASCAR G56 driver. I'm closing the year just like, hey, George Kurtz, good for you, man, because he does, doesn't does have to do this to the extreme level that he does, but he does it with a really burning competitive thing within himself. And to start to get results back, the earnings back, the personal earnings of success for what he has invested to try and be this driver, to see him reach that this first significant plateau breakthrough and we'll see where he goes in the future but that'd be the driver i look at and go good on you man i'm so happy for you 
Uh, Stephen Gates next up uh, asked what were our personal number one highs from this year's sports car season. It's not a, 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 a dissimilar question, but slightly different. Two for me, I can tell you straight away. Um, it started with Daytona and the, the, in fact, it started with the test at Daytona in December and carried on through the roar and into uh, the race week itself. And the advent of GTP, truly exciting change and change up for the IMS Weather Tech Sports Car Championship. And you've, you've name-checked it already, Steve, and no doubt whatsoever, and I make no excuses for it. The centenary edition of the Le Mans 24 Hours was everything I hoped it would be, both on and off track. And as an event, it was truly stunning, appropriate and stunning. As a race... I can only repeat what I think I've said on the show before, which was there was a moment and my brain said it was 40 minutes in. It was actually two or three hours into the race where the on-track action was so intense. I just had to pause, uh, pause and watch and listen to my colleagues, uh, you know, uh, Martin Haven and, and Davidson just reveling in it. I was just like, honestly, genuinely like a kid in a sweet shop. It genuinely was the race I've been waiting my entire life to see. And I'm so proud to have been there and to have been a small part of it. And here's the great thing, MP. It might even get better still in 2024. They, they were the two highlights for me. I'd be astonished if, if one or both of those didn't feature in your highlights too. Really enjoyed Le Mans was vastly disappointed in the top category in how uncompetitive Porsche happened to be uh, yep. on a very important anniversary for them as well. I felt like that, that took away some of what the event could have been, but to uh, bring our guy Montoya into the conversation... It is what it is. I uh, will mention to uh, young Mr. Stephen Gate, uh, I will only answer my own impersonal number one highs. Um, sorry. Uh, hashtag me personally. I, I would say the same thing is tied in personal high and personal low, and that was the debut victory back-to-back victory, but debut victory from Meyershank Racing, the Rolex yep. 24 at Daytona, such an uh, emphatic victory to close the DPI era in 2022, ARX 05, showing up and doing that in the hybrid ARX 06, like just the, you and I were there, man, as, yep. uh, as they stopped at the start-finish line, and it was jubilation, like I have not seen in a good long while, like a team winning a 24 hour race. There's always great joy. There's also great exhaustion. And so it tends to be a quick little burst and then everyone, everyone crashes. This just seemed to infuse like everyone drank a gallon of espresso. Like, wow, look at them. How lit up they are. Honda, high-fiving and hugging and going nuts uh, slash accurate like wow and then to have that taken away 
justifiably so. And for all of that explosion of emotion and energy to be there, Graham, feel it, witness it, and to then learn that was a sham. Wow. That, uh, that's going to stick with me more than, than a lot. Um, when I think about what happened over here in 2023, maybe say if, if there's one, uh, it's probably a pair of results that jump out the most to me as just feeling so darn good with no negatives attached. First would be uh, in GTD here in IMSA with Paul Miller Racing's yep. championship sewn up by Brian Sellers, Madison Snow in the really uncommon one race before the season finale. Points tend to run so close. Cars tend to run so close that it seemingly, Graham, always goes down to the final race, the final lap, etc., they kicked so much behind with so many wins in their BMW M4 GT3 that they did it a race early. And so, so happy for them and the Paul Miller team. They, again, they're just mental with how good they are. The one, though, that really stands out to me as a take a bow, because you're some of the best citizens of IMSA, some of the biggest hearts but always looking for ways to not just win on track for their brand, that being Lexus Graham, but always looking to try and blow up IMSA and bring attention and eyeballs and just thinking truly beyond just themselves. And that's Vassar Sullivan, their victory, their championship in GTD Pro with Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote. That's one where true heartstrings moment been friends with jimmy vassar since i was 18 years old right known jimmy forever known sully james sully sullivan his partner for 10 15 years these two people again just give so much and go so far beyond just trying to rep their brand and their sponsors but really to say hey if we can do things that make folks watch more imsa that's obviously going to help us, but it's going to help the sport create more value, just make things richer and better for everybody. That's how they go about things for them to win their first ever IMSA championship season long championship. And to do it in the toughest category, GTD pro factory versus factory um, of all the results in IMSA's WeatherTech sports car championship championships. That to me, brother is the chef's kiss of a, Finally, happily, thankfully, you got one. You deserved one. If they never get another one, they can at least stand on this one and say, hey, uh, we earned it after going so hard trying to get it. Let's try one more thing for 2024. We'll, we'll, we'll finish off with a few the feel-good uh, things at the end here. Um, Stephen Gate comes for, through with, what are you both looking forward to the most for the 2024 sports car season for him he says it's team bmw seeing wrt running the mr v8 in the wc and secondly seeing raffaele marcello in a prototype he thinks he's going to be sensational i suspect you're probably completely correct let's throw that one to you mp 
Don't know if this is going to end up being a negative, positive, or neutral. What I'm looking forward to most is Lamborghini's arrival in GTP. And mm-hmm. it is for one overarching reason more than any other. It Good is. Coffee. Uh, Wayne Taylor and the Delara support truck tends to be pretty good in that regard. So that might actually need to be a competition. We might have to do a bit of a espresso taste testing. Um, We can look back this past season and I think all say as grain would love to use without a shadow of it out that IMSA on the rise GTP transformative formula TV ratings are up. Hi rock. Thanks again, buddy. Um, TV ratings are up, not a crazy amount, but up. Attendance was up seemingly just about everywhere. Other classes, really strong and important as well, Graham, but GTP was the new thing that boosted IMSA in every positive way. What will Lamborghini's edition do? Will it be something that brings more fans? how many Lamborghini fans like are truly diehard fans. And I don't mean like, Hey, I was walking down the street and I saw Lamborghini and posed and did my little duck lip selfie that I posted on Instagram and see, and I did hashtag Lamborghini. Those are not the folks who are going to show up to buy a ticket or tune in to watch a race with the SC 63 GTP car running around. But I do wonder, knowing that Lamborghini is a prestige mark, one that does have a pretty decent following, I would say, what can or will Lamborghini do by being added to GTP in 2024? And will that help the needle to continue to rise? Will it not? I don't know. So I'm going into next year. Super happy that my domestic championship I love uh, is rising and prospering. Hoping the GTP effect will carry over, right? Continue, not just be a one-year thing that drew folks interest. But what role could Lamborghini end up playing into adding some extra fuel to that rocket burn uh, into the stratosphere? I hope it will. I think it could. I just don't know if it will. And so the second part to that is how hard will Lamborghini go in terms of marketing and promoting it? Will it be blanketing? Name the tickety talks and the book faces and the everything else with, hey, we're doing it. It's in the series. Tune in to watch here. Go here to get tickets. Come out and see it because we're here and we love it. It's amazing. And you got to be part of it too. Or again, so the potential's there. But will GTP in 2024, with the addition of Lamborghini, be something that we say, whoa, this thing took a whole nother big step? Or is it going to kind of float along where it was ending the 2023 season? Okay. Well, for me, what, what I'm looking forward to is the delivery on the reality of what is a theory. The theory is year two. Everybody catches up. Everybody needs to catch up. And if they do, the racing is going to get better and better. 
Um, it's already pretty good with the rules that we have in the Unsworth Sports Car Championship, but in the WEC, we've had pretty dominant form, particularly in the latter part of the year, from the Toyotas. Um, I'm looking for those gaps to close and close pretty substantially. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. That's the theory. I think it should be the reality. I think that's what Toyota expects to be happening. And if that happens, we're going to get better racing still. It was great at Le Mans. It wasn't always great everywhere and certainly not over the full race distance. So that's what I'm particularly looking forward to. Um, that And by the way, continuation of the really good racing we're seeing in the other Continental Series because shouldn't be ignoring what goes on in the European Le Mans. So it's fabulous action, action in 2023 and a better field still, I believe, in 2024. And looking forward as well to what's already been the best, the deepest competition we've had in the top class in the Asia Le Mans series coming into uh, February for the final three races there, one in Dubai and two in Yas Marina, with even more P2 cars. So... Lots and lots and lots to look forward to. One quick question. I'm just going to, it's not really a question. It's a, it's a point. Uh, Daniel Ingleton actually drops in with, hi, season greetings to both of you. Same to you and yours, Daniel. Uh, Daniel says he's off to the Emily WC race with his dad for 2024. And would Graham be up for a Prudet meetup? The answer is yes. Daniel, just get in touch through whatever medium. Uh, I think you came in through the, uh, through the Discord channel. If you drop me a note, uh, a message through there. Uh, we will arrange to meet up for you and your dad and uh, let's show you a little bit of behind the scenes. I'd love to do it uh, and we'll be delighted to do it. Um, all you need to do is to pay me with an unfeasible amount of gelato. It's really important. Just gelato. That's all it is. That's all I need. That's all I need to thrive and survive. How long we got, MP? Ah, yeah. Well... We're uh, more than an hour in, and this is a part where oh, I dear. tell folks before we recorded, you're like, how long should we go? 40 minutes? And I'm like, yeah, 30, 40. So, um, yes, uh, we, we have reached our 30 to 40 minute stint length, oh, and uh, we, are, we have gone over. Is this what well, we well, try and explain uh, uh, electronic? hybrid refueling like we tried to do at daytime you know that might be one of my favorite memories that no one was there for other than you and i although i feel like one or two people walked in and were like what is wrong with you people we tried to do a video explaining imsa's gtp pit stop process virtual fuel tank virtual yes. fuel tank their refueling process and how liquid fuel goes into the tank and there's no actual like process of a cable a charger a whatever being plugged into the car to charge up the battery itself but there's anyways and so legitimately i tried to do that myself and i don't remember how long it took but it was more than an hour and i stopped and started at least five times and i was getting so tired and so mad because i just couldn't come up with a way to do this in any reasonable capacity i went and grabbed graham and i'm like save me help me owe me obi-wan <laughs> save me and so you and i sat down and did this together and it still it took a like 35 yeah. to 40 minutes uh but thank goodness for you graham goodwin but it was truly <laughs> one of the funniest <laughs> moments of the season for me where i'm like if you and i do this for a living 
and we can't figure out how to make this make sense in under 40 minutes what hope does anyone else have and then we just learned afterwards you two are morons everyone else got it in about 30 seconds <laughs> but there you go uh but yeah i, well, there I, you go. I feel uh, like we've reached the end of the stint brother i think that's probably right so so what i'm going to do i'm, I'm going to wrap this one up now i'm going to say a first a happy new year first and foremost to you marshall Pruitt, and to your lady chaparral um it's been another hell of a year, and there's much, much more of this lunacy to come. So thank you for that. Thanks as well, by the way, to my friends and family um, at the end of what's been a very long year indeed. In particular, of course, you'd expect me to say to the fabulous Trudy uh, to thank you to her. Thanks too to Stephen Kilby, my partner in crime at Steady Sports Car. It's been great to have him back on board. And thanks to Daniel Summersgill for continuing to be super rapid uh, with providing us the questions that fuel this show. Thanks to all of you out there that listen and contribute the questions and the feedback and the social media interaction. It, it fuels us and we love it more than words can say. Thanks to Cooper Tyres for the final time for the weekend sports cars, to the Justice Brothers and to TorontoMotorsports.com. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope you enjoyed the 2023 season, whether or not it was in IMSA, whether or not it was in the WC, or whatever else takes your fancy. Boy, oh boy, there's lots to come in 2024. You can follow all of that uh, with the content that Marshall provides online, whether or not it be of the video, audio, or written variety. The same for me with our efforts on Delhi Sports Car and through my TV efforts. This, though, has been the Weekend Sportscast and the final one of 2023, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We will be back with you next year. Bow, 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 bow.